Searching for a new job can be a full-time task in itself, and often a lonely one too, so I'm talking with other job seekers like me to find out how their searches are going, if they have any tips to help me in my own search, and to talk about the funny and the frustrating in the world of pandemic lockdown video interviews. I'm Mark Daniels, and this is Desperately Seeking Salary with Alistair Robbie, the door-to-door concrete salesman turned technology sector marketeer currently seeking his next role. Alistair, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm extremely well, thank you, Mark. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Been a day? Another day? Another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a weird one this morning because I had to take my car to the garage because it's done this strange thing where um, I driving yesterday and it's all murky at the moment, isn't it? And I pulled yeah. the, uh, I pulled the washer uh, switch towards me and yeah. the wipers wiped on the front, but it sprayed on the back window. Ah, okay. so, <laughs> which I didn't think was right. <laughs> uh, no, no. I thought you were going to say, and the stalk came off. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't have surprised me if that was the case, to be honest. <laughs> the car, car is getting on a bit. Uh, did you get it sorted? Uh, no, unfortunately, it's going to have to go in next Thursday and will probably cost me a small fortune to have repaired. So anyway, Alistair, well, welcome to uh, Desperately Seeking Salary. Thanks for taking part. Um, it's it's a, a fun podcast that people seem to be enjoying and it's just a bit of a chat between you and me to find out how your um, 2020 has gone and your, your job search has gone and, uh, and what you're looking to do next, really. So... Alistair, over you. T- tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, yeah. Um, I'm uh, 54 years of age. And you, you don't look it, sir. You don't look it. Thank you very much indeed, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, single, living in Henley-on-Thames. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful part of the country. Yeah. Um, been here now 12 years. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things that... Um, uh, just after I got divorced, it was I sort of my life changed in terms of social interaction and groups and whatever. And um, yeah, Henley was one of the places that I had been frequenting. Yeah, and then I thought, hang on a second, this is probably where I want to to settle. So yeah, I'm very lucky. Beautiful part of the world. Thoroughly enjoy living here um, and what it has to offer. Do you get down to the regatta at all? When it when it happens, yes, yes. I try to put in appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the, I do like the regatta. I like I like Henley. I like that. I like that part. I've got some family down that way, and I like uh, I do like that part of the world. Yeah, um, it just um, I've lived I've lived in villages. You know, I grew up in a village and uh, um, and sort of settled in other villages as you know as I grew up and was married, etc. But never really lived in a town. Right. Um, and so the appeal of, like I said, I was socialising here, but then I kind of did that. Um, I'm going to keep my house, but I'm going to rent somewhere in Henley, just test it out, see if a town is for me. Um, and very quickly realised Henley was for me. Yeah. Um, but I've only been in my house actually for eight, 18, nearly two years. So right. I rented all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I made the commitment, as it were. The opportunity came up and made the commitment. Um, but, yeah, town life I thoroughly enjoy and I fully embrace it. What with Regatta and Henley Festival that then follows. Yeah. Rewind that takes place, the 80s festival that takes place in August. 
Oh, that's down that way as well. I didn't know that was down that way. Yeah. 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 So you'll find me there. Um, and then everything else that sort of happens, you know, in and around the town. It's, yeah, I love it here. Excellent. And it's, you know, it's easy to get up to London, easy to get into Reading. Um, it's, it's good for uh, good for commuting and good for socialising. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. I do know what you mean about the, the whole town thing. Because we, we lived in towns for, for a while. We lived in Milton Keynes and then in Cambridge itself, because I'm, I'm over in the Cambridgeshire area. Okay. Um, and then we moved to a little a little village called Chippenham um not not the big place called chippenham a little village called chippenham okay. uh, over over this way uh, where we where we took on a pub and ran a pub and we ran a village pub for eight years um but when we moved to soham uh, soham's like a large village uh, or a small town depending on which way you uh, which way you look at it and what i immediately loved was the ability to just walk to a shop um to buy the milk you didn't have to get in the car and, and head off to to get the milk right yeah yeah, that makes sense. Tell me, did the pub that you had, was it one of those where everybody sort of spins around on their bar stools? <laughs> it, it wasn't so much one where people spun around. You, you did, you, you do get that sort of moment of silence if a stranger walks in, but it was never that uncomfortable. Uh, they're very good. Uh, it's a brilliant pub, the Tharp Arms in Chippenham, just outside of Newmarket. And uh, sadly at the moment, closed because of tier two um, restrictions, hoping that we'll get some news to be able to open soon in time for christmas if we get lowered in the tiers but we'll just have to wait and see um uh, but it was a, it was a good um uh, it was a good fun pub but a drinking pub not a food pub it was a wet lead okay. pub so uh, oh. so people came in but because it was in chippenham uh, when we first took it on one of the things that used to amuse me the most in it was you'd get the truck drivers who would get off the ferries in harwich and oh, yeah. they would they would open up their map because it was kind of predating sat nav they'd open up their map and they'd look down alphabetically and they'd see chippenham and of course maps are listed by alphabet and then postcode so they'd see chippenham cb where they wanted chippenham sn and they would sort of drive from harwich to chippenham pull up outside the pub at about 10 o'clock on a friday night and go where's this industrial estate and you'd go i'm sorry chap but you've got a five hour drive in that direction (laughs) (laughs) before you get to it which was uh, was always a Friday night amusement early on in those days in the pub. Yes, anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a, a lot about a lot about me there. What about what about yourself? Tell me about your career, Alistair. Um, yeah, so my career um, a bit of an interesting one actually. Well, I think so. Um, I just know that when um, when you'd asked me about this and sort of had to think about, oh yeah, how did this all start? Yeah, um, because for, for me at school, I. I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do. No, not a clue. I think that's quite common, though, isn't it? Lots of people are in that stage, and and yeah. they don't really know what they want to do and going they, forward. Yeah, and it. So I wasn't overly phased by it. Um, I was. So I knew that um, I did the careers advice thing that they were offering, and. The nearest I got to actually working out what I thought I could do, the reality was obviously something (laughs) different. I thought I wanted to be an air traffic controller. Okay. Um, I don't really remember what the thought process was behind (laughs) it, other than I do remember that, and I remember asking about it, and very quickly, um, I think I needed to study it for something like six years. Well, that was never going to happen. Yeah. And I was going to be burnt out and dead by 35. <laughs> and I wasn't really 
I wasn't really feeling it. It's, it's not appealing. So, <laughs> no, no, I think you get, you know, I, I believe you get paid handsomely. But that was, that was how I kind of thought about it, dismissed it pretty quickly. Anyway, I just, in terms of my career, um, I, I did school. I went to college, to Brooklyn yeah. Weybridge, and I did business studies. Okay. Um, so I did a BTEC national. But again, you know, thinking back, I kept all my options open. So it's statistics, government, law, sales and marketing, there's something else and something else. Yeah. Um, did that, got my diploma. And, but through the work experience that I'd done on the course, I landed my first job. Um, so I worked for a publication, um, free newspaper, actually. It was a local free newspaper. Yeah. And... Um, I got a job with them in the summer and then they, I then completed my course and I went and worked there for three years, actually. Oh, okay. After- that's, yeah. that's, that's really sort of coincidental because, I mean, I did uh, a YTS scheme as, as it was then. Yes. And my YTS uh, was, cause I, I started out, I wanted to be a journalist and that was, that was where I wanted to, to go. I was actually 38 years old before I was paid for anything I wrote. Um, but I, I did a YTS and I did it at the Milton Keynes Citizen newspaper. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so similar, similar grounding. Yes, um, although I, I went in as, um, as an admin assistant in the accounts department um, and then I ended up being a distribution manager. So, um, I used to manage the supervisors who then managed the teams of kids that would go and supposedly deliver the newspapers. (laughs) They dumped them in the park. Yeah. (laughs) Then I would go off in my little van and I'd pick up all the newspapers and go back and that person would be obviously let go. But but that was my start of my, of my sort of working life. Um, I then went and worked for Ready Mix Concrete. My father was in the construction industry. It was time, it was time for me to move on and, and to get some kind of proper job, I think, under my belt. Went and worked for Ready Mix Concrete and sold concrete. Wow. Okay. Which was um, random. It was, it was strange. So how do you sell concrete? Do you sell it by, uh, by the load? Meter. By a cubic metre, yes. Yeah, okay. metres, yeah. Anyway, let's not dwell on that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I did that for three years. um, And it it all kind of fell apart when the construction industry, I don't really remember, it was in the mid 90s um, or early 90s. But the construction industry was sort of kind of hit um, a bit and building work kind of slowed down. Uh, And it was, I just remember that the the final straw was when I used to have to drive around the Britwell estate in Slough. Right. And looking on um, uh, sort of gate posts for those planning application yeah. um, notifications and actually go and knock on people's doors and ask if they needed concrete. Uh, yeah. For their single story extension. That was pretty bad. I might as well have been selling dusters. Yeah. It was just... Um... But so anyway, I left that and that's when I... Um, I tempt and um, one of the gigs that I got was working for a US startup. Oh, so, the early days of startups. Yes, yes. It was a software startup. They, they had a company called Spinnaker Software. Um, they were pretty um, well established in North America 
with, um, they were doing a um, sort of cut down or light version of, of Microsoft Word, um, Excel, PowerPoint. Um, okay. And it was a stack it high, sell it cheap scenario. So they, um, were, in, they were in the open office space, were they, in that, that sort of area? Um, no, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have said that. I mean, it was your classic consumer. Yeah. So um, a lot of focus on um, the PC worlds and bike superstores back in the day. <laughs> um, You're making me laugh, Alistair, because my, my first retail job was at bike superstores. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. It was, it was, I mean, totally alien to me. What had happened was the company had come over here. They'd set up an office in West Byfleet. They'd hired a sales director and a finance manager or something like that. And this, the sales director had done an event with Mericel distribution partner. Um, And there were a whole bunch of business cards that were got from that event. And it was my job to get on the phone and try and get the product into those resellers and partners. Um, But by all accounts, I did quite well at it. And they offered me a full-time job within a couple of weeks, which I grabbed. And um, that role went from sales to sales and marketing because what had happened was I'd, um, I'd gone and sold the product in and then the reseller would get in contact with me and say, well, how are you gonna help me pull the product off the shelf? Yeah. So um, they gave me a company car. I had an Astra Cabriolet. Wow, now that, that was a car. It was a car and um, nobody else wanted it. That was the funny thing. <laughs> it was the color and um, nobody else. It, it was actually the VP. They'd hired a VP at this point um, as well. And she had taken delivery of it and she hated the color. So it became the pool car. Then it became my car. Right. And, anyway, and dare I ask what color it was? It was this turquoise. Okay. Yeah. It was a special edition and it was turquoise with a, contrasting electric hood was it was it black canvas no it was it was no it had it was kind of a blue okay all yeah, right it wasn't particularly pretty at all but, <laughs> there you go. but i had a company car so it was it was great and um anyway that that was that was a um i land i felt i'd landed yeah you know um and that was a real fun time. You know, that was a company that was going places. It had a, had a lot of investment, had a very solid team. Um, and we did very well. Uh, so much so, we got acquired. Right. Okay. But I was a couple of years in by this point. We got acquired and, and then I was there for a little bit. And then I was made redundant. There were a bunch of us made redundant after the acquisition. Um, and that happens, right? So, yeah, that, uh, it does. It does indeed. Yeah, it does. So then I landed, landed at Bull, Bull Information Systems. Yeah. Um, and, and what was it? They, what were they? An aging French computer giant. I think that's how they were referenced in the press at the time. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, do, I, I do remember Bull from back yeah, in the day. Back in the day. And I worked for uh, Zenith Data Systems. So I was, and I went in as a marketing communications um assistant so it was a pure marketing role than rather than sales and marketing which is what i'd left before sure um there for three years that was interesting because i went in as in the zenith um division 
And then I moved into a central marketing role. So then I was supporting the other divisions within the company. Yeah. Um, made redundant from there, got a job working for a company called Borland. And I was there for eight years. Okay. Um, so that was a very steady... Borland, Borland. Why do I remember their name? What did they... Um, um, applica- uh, application development tools. Right. Um, so Delphi C++. C++ language, yeah. Yeah. So I'm um, very, you know, nerdy. Um, <laughs> apologies to anybody who's listening who feels that I'm targeting them. Don't mean to, but it was we're, just... We're, we're all nerds in one way or another. Don't, don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, but that was... Um, that was a great organization. And it was in the, it, that time in the IT industry, there was a lot of money around, not just yeah. within the organization, but we were doing very, very well, very successful. Um, and for me, you know, I, I had a good career there because I went in as a channel marketing person, moved into corporate marketing and then uh, responsible for EMEA marketing. Okay. Um, so lots of travel, um, lots, you know, I had a great team I was working with across Europe. That was, that was fun times. That was a highlight. Um, I've got friends for life from, from yeah. working there. Which That was a good time, wasn't it? Especially in the tech space. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Money was no object. You know, when I think to now and what I've experienced over the past few years, you know, when you got Christmas presents and, and Christmas parties and all of that and the last organization that just never happened yeah. I know times have changed. I appreciate that, but just complete one eighty. You know, it was it was it was it was a heady time that that went away, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but I I left there uh, rather foolishly. I just turned forty, and I thought, hmm, I think I better need a bit of change. And naively, uh, thought I'd walk into another job. How wrong was I? So, nice. but the slippers the slippers had got so comfortable there, and it was just I felt. It was that time in in my life. I thought I need to uh, I need to see what else is out there. Anyway, left ten months later. Finally, secured a job with Embarcadero as their Emir marketing manager. There for three years. Yeah, There's a pattern here in terms of time. I've, I've really, <laughs> um, but again, that was a great opportunity, a, a great company to work for. Um, I went in as Emir marketing manager and then became international marketing director. Wow. Um, okay. And had a team of six yep. across Near and Asia Pacific. Travelled loads with that that company, and again have got friends for life as a result of of working for them. I, I used to go to San Francisco every three months for quarterly business reviews. Fantastic! And so I've got a bunch of friends over there and spread out across North America. Yeah. Um, What's your favourite place that you've travelled to in all those in all those journeys? Well, I got to. I got to know San Francisco very well as a result of that role. Um, and uh, so I probably, I'm mean, still very fond of that. That's an amazing city. Have you been? I've not been to San Fran. I've not been over that side. I've done the East Coast a lot. I've been to uh, Boston. I love Boston. Um, it, it's one of, the, one of the ones I travel to quite a few times. And right. I only went there once with, Spon- uh, with Spinnaker. Uh, right. For a kickoff, yeah. Um, but I'd love to go back there. But no, San Francisco, uh, from a work point of view, has got to be one. And of course, I've, I've got to travel around a lot of cities in in Europe. 
as yeah. well. If you ask me for a highlight, it's there. Yeah. And, you know, and what was funny was I'd go out for the quarterly business review, which would be, you know, generally for a week. And then I'd, I'd then stay for two weeks and tag on holiday and work from the office. And um, yeah, so it, I got quite used to uh, Napa and Sonoma being just over the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, and I'd have to, I'd have to, uh, slot in a sort of wine taste wine. I, was, I was just i was just wondering if you were going to go go down the wine route yeah. then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was i was very lucky very lucky um but got made redundant from there and that's when i started contracting so that was 2010 and yeah 2009 in 2010 um contracting i did that for five years um great great opportunity again tough to, to secure projects well 2010 as well that was sort of post the credit crunch you were you were going you were going solo at, at a tough economic time well this was it nobody was hiring uh, full-time permanent yeah um, so there were roles around but nobody was hiring full-time permanent and it was only because i'd used a guy at embarcadero to help me uh, recruit a marketing assistant and which we did successfully to help support the team. Yeah. I then went to him after I was made redundant from Embarcadero and said, look, help me here. And he then came back and said, well, I've got a project. Um, but I ended up being there what, 15 months and that was working for an e-commerce platform vendor. Um, so that was very fast paced, um, you know, very competitive marketplace at that time. Yeah. Um, company was called Hybris. Okay. They're now part of SAP. Um, but that was, that was very busy. They, they were Northern, Northern Europe was the final piece of the jigsaw as it were. They, they, they were Munich based. Yeah. Um, had Southern Europe and Central Europe and the UK sorted, but it was Northern Europe. Um, they just hired a sales director and a pre-sales consultant and they needed marketing support. Um, so I went in and, and sorted that out uh, as as a project, as it were, on a, on a contract basis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And then um, and then that came to an end because that was done. So I went to the competition. I approached the competition directly and said, "Look, I've just worked for your competitor, you know, major competitor," and they said, "Right, come and work for us and help us across Europe." Yeah. So I did that for another twelve, fifteen months. So I got two very chunky contracts to straight away. So I was quite all for those first what, three years. Yeah. Two and a half years or whatever. Um, and then I did um, a bunch of smaller stuff supporting a local business. Um, uh, sort of lifestyle, I think you would class it as <laughs> a, com a company that would redesign your garage as it were. Right. Okay. And all of that. But that was good for me. It was, you know, completely different. Totally it, different topic. Totally different topic. Um, totally different, different business environment. Um, you know, zero budget, social media focused. Mm -hmm. um, but it just showed that my skills were transferable. And that was really important for me. Um, and that's, that's and something, yeah, that's, that's something I think is key because we get pigeonholed into sectors and actually, especially for in a sales and marketing environment, our, our skills are very transferable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that I was able to prove that. Um, so after the two e-commerce 
organizations that I worked for. I worked for this company for a year. I worked for um, um, a company called Careers in Sports. I supported them from a marketing point of view. They were basically targeting the education sector. Yeah. Um, and wanting to promote the fact that there were, you know, with all the different careers that were available within within sports. So working with universities that focused around sports. Um, and that was that was great too. Um, I really enjoyed that. So I was very, you know, that time, even though it was a little bit um, off piste, um, I, I found it, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a nice break actually. It was quite refreshing. Yeah. Then I, then I got a gig working for Nuance um, as a contractor through a friend of a friend. And I ended up being there for five years. A Nuance, Nuance specialised in? Uh, speech recognition. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. so back into come back into the sort of tech space. Exactly. So yeah. Um, the yeah, I got a I got a uh, I can't remember. I, I was contacted by um, a friend of mine whose friend had said, "Do you know of anybody?" Yeah. So I went um, and yeah, I'd been there a year when I basically said, "I think you need me full time." And they'd had a series of contractors. It was the, just the way they operated. It was a bit odd. Um, but of course, they lost continuity. I when, you, when you're constantly changing your contractor yeah, in that you role. Know, they, yeah. they, you know, the partners would get used to a, you know, a contractor who would come in and support them from a marketing point of view across the UK and Ireland. And then that person would go off um, to another role or find a permanent role. And that was what I, I thought, you know, I'm happy here. Um, it doesn't make any sense for me to start looking for a full-time permanent role when there's a full-time permanent role available yeah. in my mind. So I had to put a business case forward, which was approved. And um, I was there for five years and got made redundant. Um, yeah, back end of last year. Okay. So you were, you were made redundant uh, pre the whole COVID and lockdown? Pre the whole COVID and lockdown, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this year has been... <laughs> I was going to say, so how has your 2020 gone? <laughs> 2020 has been interesting, but I think we can, we've all got stories, right? Absolutely. We've all got stories. Yeah. So, um, but I came into 2020 thinking, okay, right, let's start again. Um, I've still got fire in my belly. Yeah. I'm still keen and in, eager and enthusiastic to secure that next role. Um, and actually, the beginning of the year was... Uh, yeah, it was promising. Um, I got talking to one organisation. Um, in fact, I had six interactions with them. I'd gone in uh, for one role and they said, mm, I think you might be, I think, I don't think this is the right role for you, but I think this other role could be for you. Um, so that opened up a whole new set of dialogue, um, which I was absolutely fine with. But rather interestingly, they kept talking about the complexity of this specific particular marketing role they had on. It was a new role. Right. And um, this complexity they kept referencing and, and it was all being whiteboarded in front of me. And I'm kind of, I basically said, I think you're making it too complex. Right. So they, so they were, they were overcomplicating their own. 
that's how I saw it. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I know how to build relationships. I could see, you know, all these different elements on this whiteboard and you need to liaise with this person, the channel partner here and this marketing representative there. And I'm like, it's, yeah, I can do all of that. But I think they were overcomplicating it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as a result of that conversation, I think they basically went away and thought, hmm, you could be right here. <laughs> and, uh, and nothing was ever heard uh, no. about that. Um, and also, so that went away. But prior to lockdown, I'd been talking to three organisations. I was having good discussions with them. And then as a result of lockdown, they disappeared. 2020 uh, happened. 2020 then kicked in in yeah. force. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when you follow up with emails and sort of say, uh, you know, I totally understand the situation. However, an update would be really useful. I think the reality was those, you know, they didn't have an update for me. The talent acquisition person that I'd be dealing with, you know, had been furloughed probably at this point or let go. There was nobody to follow up and it was just you put a line through it. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, in terms of the rest of this year and, and my job search, uh, <laughs> I've got a spreadsheet that um, actually I was looking at it earlier on and you, you, you have to laugh. I think I, I, think I counted, uh, no, I didn't count. It was, it's for sure, 152 jobs applied for this year. Um, but sadly, you know, only 35% of those roles that I applied for I actually got a response back from. Was that, yeah, was that even a, just, a, just a thank you, but no thank you or? or yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I've just put it in as no or, yeah. you know, or gone to another person or uh, withdrawn completely or whatever yeah. it is. But it just, I'd had this before when I was, um, that, that time after Embarcadero, I remember that sort of 2010 time sort of going through this, um, you know, process um and and even back then so uh, have you thought about going back to contracting at the moment is that something that you've yeah, considered yeah. yeah yeah i would do it i would do it it's um see yeah. i think from a from a marketing perspective and and it, when you look and I, obviously my last 15 years have been in hospitality but when i look a lot of marketing departments have have been pulled or shrunk or or pulled away because it's typically what happens at, at, at times when money needs to be saved but those roles still need to be filled and they, there's still jobs that need to be done so yes. short-term contracts are, are still very much a possibility aren't they absolutely but there's a lot of competition there's, there's a lot massive, of yeah there. that that's that's the issue there's a lot of me out there um, and you end up in a, you know, there are agencies that focus on contract roles, yeah. that's all they do, but you're just one of, again, another 50 candidates that they will put forward for. Yeah. Um, so are you doing anything to, um, I'll put you on the spot here, actually, but are you doing anything to, to make yourself stand out from the crowd in, in any of those areas? Or is it just continuing to apply in hope that something comes back? Um, well, if I'm being completely honest, I put a line under this year. Yeah. I think a lot, like, like a lot of people. I, I, yeah, I agree. I want to conserve my energy and maintain some kind of sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, it. that's massively important. 21. I don't, um, I just think let's let this nonsense sort itself out. Let's go in, let's hope and pray um that 2021 
we go into that a little bit more stable, a little yeah. bit more solid. Um, it, you know, I can see that there are jobs out there. Absolutely, I get the, I get all the um, notifications of LinkedIn. I, I, I don't believe in LinkedIn anymore. Um, it's just not a, it's not a focus for me. I, I've, I've applied, as I've just said, for yeah. so many roles through LinkedIn. I think, although I'm not blaming LinkedIn specifically, I think it's a platform for organizations clearly to use to promote a, a role that's available, but I think it becomes a candidate pool. So I, my view on my view on LinkedIn a little bit, um, and I've spoken to a few people about this, and I, I I think I sort of agree with you in terms of LinkedIn used to be a real networking B two B kind of platform, and yeah. because people are are looking to stand out from the crowd on it a little bit now, it feels like it's turned a bit more into Facebook, Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, uh, you know I. I seeing the few times that I, I've kind of just drawn a line under it. I think, um, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's a bunch of great content out there. I, I was about to say, I don't know if it's the right way or the wrong way for LinkedIn to have gone or people using it to have gone. It just seems to have gone that way. I just don't give a <laughs> damn. Go on. <laughs> we've, we've got a beat machine, Alistair. I could have beat you out. <laughs> I just don't give a um, monkeys about somebody posting a picture of their daughter going to school for the yeah. first day it's the wrong platform it's the, it, i agree it's it i open up facebook it's there it's absolutely and fine and do all of that absolutely yeah. but um i don't go onto linkedin to see that i know they're very proud i get it but it's not for me and unfortunately that plus the ads plus the there's a hell of a lot of smoke being yeah yeah, <laughs> I, just, I think okay, maybe I've become massively old and cynical, and but it's it's not it's not for me right now. So maybe come come next year, you know, in a month's time, and I've got a different view on the world, and we're all smiling a bit more. And we approach twenty twenty one with fresh eyes. I can go in there and say, do you know what? I can block this. I can I can mute that or whatever it is, and. Yeah. Take a fresh, yes, a fresh look. But um, uh, so, so in answer to your question, I've done actually very little. I've just conserving my energies, holding on. Um, and I think, you know, the reality is having experienced what I've experienced, um, I, I think my focus will be uh, really targeting the recruiters that I've got in my LinkedIn yeah. connections i started to do that in the summer i didn't get very far with it i got distracted um but i think it's 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 going back to those guys they're the ones that know me they've connected with me i've connected with them we may have had some dialogue or interaction at some point over a role or whatever but it's just sort of going out to them and saying look i'm here you know we've spoken before you know what my where my skill sets lie what i'm looking for in terms of organization career progression culture or whatever and and have them help me rather than that and know. i think that's that's the value the network your network and your your the people you know are probably going to be your better um uh, approach and i think that's great so listen alistair we're, get, we're getting towards the end of the time it's been a fantastic uh, chat i've got a couple of just sort of 
quick questions just to wrap up and 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 finish your story with but um in terms of you know looking back at your career so door-to-door concrete salesman through to through to to uh marketer um uh, technology marketer what have you what have been the bits in your role that you've enjoyed the most not the jobs themselves but if you were to pick out one or two things that you really enjoy doing in those roles what would that be i think yeah it's being i'm a team player Mm -hmm. um that's and I've, i've sort of touched on a couple of those roles that I've had organizations I've worked for where you know being a team player where we've all worked and we've succeeded and we've we've enjoyed success um that's that's a takeaway I you know I'm very happy with the way my career has gone and progressed and I've been very fortunate to have been in some organizations where um yeah I've 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 experienced what I've experienced and I've traveled and my career yeah. has progressed like, like I've outlined, you know, I've come to recognize now what I'm looking for in my next opportunity. Right. Which is, you know, I want to get into an organization that is going places that it has vision, has strategy, that has team, that has, has a culture. I was just about to use that word culture. culture. It's, it's about the culture now, isn't it? It is. And I think, you know, I'm not doing my last role down. I'm not doing that at all. But when I thought about our discussion today and, and my highlights and my lowlights, um, you know, for me, the last company I worked for is the biggest company I've ever worked for, but you wouldn't know it. Right. You know, um, it, it was, it's a $2 billion company. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think we had about, I don't know, 11,000 employees worldwide. Yeah. You never felt you were part of that size company because I worked within a team of 16 within Europe. Uh, We were a small division, um, very lean division, very profitable division, but there was no sense of team or being part of the bigger picture. And we we did our thing and it was 10% year on year growth. And that was what we strived for. But I'm looking for something you know, it is what it is. And that's what I worked with. And that's fine. But I just know that, yeah, moving forward, I want to build on what I've had experienced in the past. Does that make sense? Build, Yeah, absolutely. Build on the culture, build on the team and be, yeah. be part yeah. of the, be yeah, part of a team. I want to have some fun. Yeah. In, in my next opportunity. Uh, and that's really important. I think, yeah, I think we, we're all prepared to work hard, but you've, you've yes. got to enjoy it, haven't you? you yeah. You've got to have fun. You've got to have fun. Alistair, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for taking part in Desperately Seeking Salary. Um, I wish you all the best for 2021. Thank you Probably, actually, I think this might be the first time I'm going to say this, but uh, happy Christmas. Um, and uh, I hope you have a festive, good festive period. And, I'll do my best. Uh, I shall hopefully catch up with you in the new year at some point. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Mark. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Thank Excellent, you. Excellent, Alistair. Thank you for your time. Take care.